Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me tonight is Kendra Maurer. And tonight we're welcoming back Stephanie Quick. She is the author of the online mystic memoir, Ghost Dog is a Mystery Box. And she was talking on Facebook about two weeks ago, and she told us about an amazing string of synchronicities on a singular fascinating topic and i said you got to come on the show and talk about it so stephanie how are you doing pretty good it's nice talking to you guys it's great talking to you (laughs) so it's gonna be we're gonna giggle a lot you'll you'll see why (laughs) well so i had written a uh uh, well, at my blog, I have a lot of interest in uh, sex magic and uh, synchronicities, uh, various things. And um, but uh, I had a string of synchronicities that were just uh, too explosively erotic to even put on my blog. So I made a Google Doc and, and had it be a, a white paper, which is uh, distributed um, out uh, on the Internet. And basically it's about uh, spooky, sexy Sasquatch or Bigfoot problems. Um, because uh, actually mostly due to my own idiocy, <laughs> I ended up getting a lot of uh, Bigfoot, uh, let's say, erotica or uh, unsolicited uh, pictures of Bigfoot genitalia ending up in my DMs um, from people that, I, you know, I mean, no one did anything that was rude or unexpected given our, you know, friendship. Um, but it's kind of hilarious. And then I started seeing more other people, uh, talking about strange, uh, sexy Bigfoot stuff. And then people started to have even a little bit of kind of real world encounters with, you know, just Bigfoot. And, um, then, uh, I think most of it was kind of kicked off by, um, I've had a lot. I don't know. This is a thing that's kind of strange for me, and I don't. I don't want to sound like a snotty or a know-it-all or anything, because in the last uh, few years, of course, with especially uh, Joshua Cutchin and Tim Renner, have done a lot of uh, great research on the whole paranormal aspects of Bigfoot, and. Um, it's been really great and exciting to see this research go out there and, and people uh, really diving into it. But um, I was born in Fresno, California, and spent in you know the 1960s, early 60s, and we always had a lot of family up in the mountains and spent a lot of time camping up the, in the mountains uh, every uh, year and stuff. And so, you know, you'd hear about Bigfoot, you'd read about Bigfoot in uh, you know like spooky books for kids and stuff like that. There was even, uh, you know, shows about Bigfoot now and then. And I don't know why, but I, I never had the idea that, oh, yeah, it's just this. It always had kind of like a ghost-like or weird quality to me. I never had that feeling that, yeah, it's, it's some primate out in the woods desperately looking for berries or something all the time. So um, 
I just always had this kind of openness for whatever reason, I don't know why, to the, this kind of weirder um, and more lighthearted aspect of Bigfoot. Because partly, I mean, you're just going around and you just have to crack up at like all these weird stories or goofy stickers and stuff like that, you know. It's just kind of a fun thing um, on top of everything. So, uh, yeah, so we thought we'd have a, a sexy uh, Sasquatch talk. I had, so uh, I had written this book, book, Excuse me. I woke up with a migraine and I've had all this coffee and then a little bit of Maui Wowie. So <laughs> Full disclosure, I apologize. That'll help. Um, <laughs> better. So I'd written this blog post a couple years ago. Um, I listened to uh, On Me and Paranormal You by Ryan Singer. He was talking with Claudia Ackley, who is a big believer in uh, the physicality of Bigfoot to the extent she had put a suit against the uh, park service in California saying you need to warn people for going to the parks that there's this huge dangerous beast in there running around, right? Like you would warn them about a mountain lion or a bear or whatever. At the same time, she uh, is very honest about her experience and about um, what she has observed during these encounters she's had with Bigfoot. And there's a lot of these very paranormal aspects and also uh, a lot of the effects like um, the after effects you get after like a near-death experience, right? Where people decide to change their diet, change their habits, change their lifestyle. You know, she got a divorce. She lost like over 100 pounds. She started doing Taekwondo. It really changed her life. So um, I forget why, but I, I think in the end of June, I ended up reposting that blog post. And Ben Jaffe came in there. He is a, a doctor of anthropology. He uh, studies mostly uh, Tibetan uh, Vajrayana uh, lay practitioners. He has a blog called The Perfume Skull, and he's been on a number of podcasts. He's a really smart, really fascinating um, uh, guy. But he was posting uh, this article about this other um, anthropologist, I believe, or transpersonal psychologist. It was in a journal of transpersonal psychology. And this guy had been studying um, Nepalese shamanism, and there's one aspect of Nepalese shamanism where uh, your guru is a type of yeti, and the way you're initiated is that you are uh, between like generally seven and 20 years old, you're out doing your thing in the forest, and they kidnap you, and if all goes well, they'll keep you for a month, initiate you into all these shamanic practices, and then return you unharmed, and then you're like this um, yeti shaman. I forgot the word of it. I wrote it down here. Uh, Bonjakrini. Bonjakri. Bon I'm sure I'm mastering yeah, bon this. Jacri. It's a, a called uh, the uh, for, uh, the calling uh, Yeti and Bonjakri Forest Shaman in Nepalese Shamanism by uh, Larry G. Peters. I have all these links in this uh, Google Doc that I put. So, but it is fascinating um, because the whole idea of uh, Sasquatch abducting humans and having these erotic encounters with them and, uh, uh, you know, taking them away for the purposes of uh, creating a family is something uh, that apparently these people in uh, Nepal were reporting that had happened to them, even like in the 70s and the 90s. This paper uh, that uh, Larry Peters published on this was published in 1997, but he began doing his research in the late 70s in Nepal. So, it's kind of like this whole idea of um, these mythical kind of uh, processes or complexes um, that are uh, 
still alive and still happening and people are still grappling with them in the after effects in uh, current day situations. Um, because, you know, there's any number of situations where people uh, get kidnapped by star people or uh, gods or goddesses or, uh, you know, earth elementals or whatever. And then this causes uh, various magical changes and changes in the manifest world. So, but anyway, so I don't know if we want to start with talking about the Guru Yeti a little bit or. Sure. You, you brought it up. Okay. So <laughs> You started it. Yeah, you started that. It's, we're going to do it. <laughs> I thought it was fascinating that the Nepalese see them both as spirits mm -hmm. and as physical. They straddle the line between this world and the spirit world. They can go back and forth and they can have, they can mate and have children with humans. Mm -hmm. And they're very specific about that. And that rang so many bells for me because the Native Americans of the upper prairie and mountains and the Native Americans of the Pacific Northwest say the same thing about the Sasquatch or what some of the upper, uh, like the Dakota people in the Dakotas call the big man is that he would kidnap women and have babies with the women. And that there was, I, I read a story. I couldn't find it, of course. I tried, you know, looking through all of my books today and I couldn't find it. Um, but there is a story where a Native American woman told her daughter that you had to look out when you picked berries for the big man because he likes pretty women and he will take you away and make you his wife. But that's okay because he's a really good lover. There you go. <laughs> he makes good love with women is how she put it. I remember the exact wording because I loved that. Well, I love it too because mom's uh, like, okay, you need to be careful. But just in case, it's your decision. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that Persephone thing where, mm -hmm. you know, in the old way of looking at the story, it was that she was kidnapped and everybody was upset about it. In the new way of looking at it, she wanted to go yeah. to babies. So it's kind of similar to that. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah, that seems to be one of um, the uh, defining characteristics of all these kind of, uh, I like the word demi-physical beings. Gods, uh, fairy, uh, um, star people, uh, you know, uh, water, manitou, that they they have an eye for human beings and if you know if you have sex you can get pregnant right so and it's yeah. so it's constantly bringing forward that we're not that separate from them we're related to them right i mean that's the whole symbolic content of that which is that we're highly interrelated with whatever these other beings may be um we're very you know they're we're family with them essentially so yeah it's pretty trippy yeah. so this um article by Larry Peters on the Guru Yeti. Um, it's, it's fascinating to me. I would suggest if anyone's like super interested in this, uh, go read the article because there's a lot of great stuff in there. But uh, and I'll put oh, perfect. Links so people can he talks about how they're uh, well, first of all, I want to read because um, I wrote down the, the sentence where he talks about what you were talking about, Barbara, this whole uh, relationship, how they're uh, 
spirits, but also physical. It says, um, these Yeti are indigenously believed to be spirits, but also current living vestiges of the ancient past with a physical appearance and presence, who also manifest in dreams and trance states. Thus, they exist in two realities, which interpenetrate and are not separated in Nepali consciousness. So this is very similar to, I always like to say, human beings, right? Because your mom can appear yeah. in your dreams while she's also a physical person. Right. And I think a lot of animals and plants and the, in my own personal view, I would say, that, you know, all living beings and, and a lot of ones that aren't necessarily considered living like mountains and rocks, but probably are, can manifest in the same way. But uh, I thought that that was uh, sophisticated. I was listening to uh, some other sphere did an interview with Dr. Holly Walters, and she's talking about shallogram stones, which are from Nepal. And they are these fossil ammonites that end up getting uh, washing out, uh, eroding from the mountains and getting uh, tumbled for a certain amount of time in this particular river. And this is a process that takes it from being a rock to being a deity with its own agency in the world. And yeah, oh, wow. it's, it's, yeah, it's a really interesting. I completely really recommend that interview. Um, and she was talking about as a Westerner kind of having a hard time coming around to this way of thinking because the Nepali people, she's like, well, people are saying, well, don't they know that it's a fossil of this cephalopod? She's like, yes, they know it, that it's that. And it's also this. It's, yeah. yeah, it's really well. Plus they're, they're these incredible objects just aesthetically and uh no they're beautiful. yeah yeah so that's a fun it made me think about ufos it's like what if they are like yeah, a they're spiral well like a tin can from another planet but also a deity <laughs> <laughs> everyone would hate I it like that. it was like the et-tiers and the non-et-tiers would be like ah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just make but everybody mad that's <laughs> <laughs> good saying but it made me think of that. And then Barbara, like you're saying, it has that same um, kind of mandala shape as the classic UFO. Yeah. yeah. It's trippy. So there's these. Mm -hmm. You know, what I was going to say, the, the other thing about how Westerners have this problem with getting this, well, it's two seemingly opposite things at the mm -hmm. same time. It's because we've been so immersed in a purely materialistic worldview for so long. It's kind of been beaten into our heads to the point where it's very, very difficult for us to hold beliefs like that. But it wasn't that long ago that there were a significant number of people, and there still are some people who recognize that fairies can both be material and non-material. <laughs> and so... It, it's just a, an interesting tension, but if you're trained as an anthropologist or as a scientist, it's one of those things where it, that materialism is just beaten in there for so long. It's so difficult. It's kind of paradoxical because um, I was just talking with someone about this uh, not too long ago, but um, some of the people who have the best understanding about how influential and important ideas can be and how they're different from the material realm are, you know, scientists, um, you know, astronomers or mathematicians, biologists, because you have this idea in your head of how you think things should be, <laughs> how they should work, but then you perform the experiment 
and it may go that way you thought or it might not right so they have a, it's so it's kind of paradoxical because they're very materially focused but at the same time um they understand how uh desperately important ideas are because they drive action they drive how you can even perceive what you can do in the world you know so but yeah i agree that the westerners we have a very kind of a scattered or fractured approach to the whole relationship between the material realm and the idea realm so it's kind of crazy but uh, so do we want to talk about the the types of the yeti in nepal oh, sure. i yeah, thought yeah. this was interesting because um i was listening to josephine mccarthy on glitch bottle that just dropped today and it's like a four-hour talk but i really like her but she used a term that i i liked called uh she just said land spirits so this would include things like fairy yeti kachina you know all these various uh 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 numinous beings that are associated with a particular place and culture um but i like that because it kind of covers a lot of them but it's you're not trying to kind of map one culture onto another it's just saying that there are all these things right. and then you can look into it so i like that idea so these are kind of uh, land spirits but they're also kind of physical too so you have um and they why I talked about land spirits is the uh, different types of Yeti are kind of mapped onto particular uh, ecological zones, right? So at the top of the mountains, you have these ones that are like 15 feet tall. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine being in the mountains and seeing something like that. I'm just going to shit myself and pass out. <laughs> yeah, that's a rational response. Oh, well, I'll make my. Hopefully, they don't have a scat fetish. In which case, I'm in big trouble. Oh my god, son, we call that Nope exactly. Mountain. <laughs> we won't tell you why it's called Nope Mountain until you're older. <laughs> oh, no. Oh my God. So anyway, these are um, 15 feet tall. They are carnivorous. They're living uh, way at the top of the mountains. Um, and uh, <clears throat> let's see what they say about these big ones. I wrote down here the name of them. Do, 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 do. Okay. These are the Nyalmo, the high altitude ones. Oh, they're also more likely to be carnivorous and man-eaters and the females especially want to eat your brains um but they also like to uh, oh they are also like superimposing they will like eat yaks they'll just twist their necks to kill them um and they'll abduct humans for sex but uh it oh, can you no. uh, yeah <laughs> double no. note melon uh, <laughs> yeah um and it's where you can either kind of have to submit or uh try or be or try and escape, you know, just like I mean, it's like a, a lot of bad or your brain. Yeah. And, mm. Yeah. yeah. So but they're they're uh, also they don't really have uh, some of the other ones that are smaller seem to have a little bit more of a heartfelt feeling for people as opposed to just gruesome lust. OK, so then they have these other ones that are pretty big. They're like uh, eight feet tall. But they are at a lower altitude, so like eight to ten thousand feet. So it's more kind of mixed, uh, foresty stuff. They're omnivorous, right? So they're eating vegetables as well as uh, animals, and they're called chuti. Um, and then there's the small ones, which are the ones that can possibly be related to these guru of the shamans. The they're three to five feet tall. They're called Rang Shimbombo or Ban Jakri. 
Um, they are mostly vegetarian. They live in the forest and they'll steal grain and milk from villages and they only attack when provoked. Um, so you can see it's going from like these really big, really scary, uh, really like non-human, just like kind of the baser animal instincts to these smaller ones that will even eat uh, human food. Levi Strauss said the big definition between humans and uh, the non-human is the raw and the cooked. And you notice that the small one eats some cooked food, right? Or uh, domesticated food. Yeah. But this also maps onto the very uh, <clears throat> distinct ecological uh, zones and kind of food options in Tibet because there's a very short growing season. So it's only in the low altitudes of these valleys where you can grow any grain. Um, and then when you move farther up, it's, you just have to hunt and there's that's partly why the Tibetan diet has a lot of meat in it and why they have meat mantras and uh, Vajra, uh, Tibetan Buddhism and stuff because you can't, you have to have meat because of the, the shortness of the growing season to be able to live. So anyway, so there's all, mm -hmm. you know, I have a feeling that the creatures of Nope Mountain <laughs> are kind of like, it's almost like the the Nepali people are saying, don't go up there. Humans don't belong oh, yeah. up there. That's too high. And if you go up there and you get eaten, well, you went up there. <laughs> That's not our yeah. home. Nope Mountain belongs to the Nope Mountain people. <clears throat> Yeah. Just leave yeah. It. I, as you were saying that and you were saying how high up they were and then the next level, they were more like what we think of yeah. as Yeti. You know, they, they were yeah. more like what the Westerners think of as Sasquatch and Yeti. And that's OK. That's still scary, but they're not going to crack your skull open and suck your brain out yeah. and all of that terrible stuff. And but that's that's a climate that is a zone where humans can safely go. So exactly. there's, there's all sorts of things to look at. Well, that's why I liked, I uh, heard her, uh, McCarthy talking about land spirits, because it's very keyed into, as you say, these um, ecological truths about the geology and the geography of where you're living. Because that's getting the, those ones yeah. at the top of the mountains are living in what's called the death zone, where you can't survive, where, you know, once you go up there, your body's starting to deteriorate right. and you need to get out. So, yeah. And, you, you know, even people that uh, Sherpas who have uh, a lot better, uh, you know, they have genetic adaptations where they're, able, yeah, um, where they're able to do better at high altitudes will develop, uh, you know, pulmonary, uh, uh, high altitude pulmonary edema or uh, cardiac problems and can die up there. So um, they're less likely, but it's still very dangerous. So, so basically, uh, Sherpas say, Yetis on the whole are bad luck. You even if you just like look at them, you get bad luck. You could fall in a coma. You could die. All type of bad things uh, could happen. Um, but at the same time, they are have this kind of human aspect of um, I don't want to say like some of them will like uh, you know fall in love with certain humans. Um, or there's been a couple times where they think that uh, Yetis committed suicide because you know they have. Uh, their family was attacked or they had some other type of setback, you know? So, yeah. So it's kind of, kind of sad if they have problems. Um, but anyway, so these Yeti have also these, uh, I don't want to say like paranormal abilities, which are 
basically the same as like a lot of humans would claim that, you know, ESP or some humans would claim ESP, you can see, see and hear at a distance. Uh, they can communicate telepathically. Lots of times they've kidnapped someone, they're making them into a shaman, they'll communicate telepathically as well as by voice. Um, they perform divinations and they've been spotted having like group rituals, like after they uh, hunted successfully or during the full moon, which would be like wild as heck. <laughs> like out the mountains like you've left the village to go take a leak and you're around the bushes yeah. <laughs> all these yetis eight for tall yetis it's just, them, it's just the full moon aspect okay <laughs> well don't get upset they're just celebrating the full moon and <laughs> oh, was like yeah right <laughs> You say that now, woman. You say that now. Yeah. So they uh, can. Now, there's this whole idea of like the spontaneously arising shaman, which I love, but it's like very trippy to think about. Um, so I'll try and talk about it instead of just like sitting here quietly tripping myself out. <laughs> but the idea is that you can have uh, learn from like a human guru be your shaman teacher. Um, and there are, you know, plenty of human shamans out there. But the big, bad, super powerful shamans are the ones that are just out minding their own business, like behind the shed or whatever, and get snatched by one of these guru yetis, the small ones. They take them back to their cave, they check them out, decide they're okay, and they keep them there for a month. And they uh, teach them you know, mantra, uh, healing, um, methods, uh, how to be invisible, how to invoke the teacher later on, um, and other spirits for protection, um, how to shape shift, shape shift and fly and uh, utilize spiritual uh, weapons, how to uh, chase bad spirits away by mastering fire. So it's like all this intense shamanic stuff. They teach them this and then they, they send it back to the village and or wherever they were unharmed and then the, you know they have they're these really strong shamans um because i think the idea is that the the guru yeti are much more powerful at teaching but also this uh making this transmission of these abilities one of the things that uh cracked me up was i was reading uh, that uh one of these uh guru yetis had a pet porcupine it was kind of a had these amazing powers. And so you'd be sitting there and the pet porcupine would be like shooting these quills at the student. So the student could magically oh deflect God. them. Oh my God. So it's giving you practice against, you know, this type of uh, BS magic by competing shamans nice. <laughs> or sorcerers, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very, you know, that's straight up, that's straight up Jedi I stuff. I love it. You know, instead of having the little round ball that shoots mm -hmm. laser stuff at you, so you deflect it with the the mm -hmm. lightsaber. It's it's a porcupine shooting quills at you, and you have to deflect it. I love it. Well, I, I love it too. I'm imagining being Wonder Woman with the the golden bracelets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus, porcupines are so cute. They make little noises and stuff. That's kind of the uh, bad side of that, or the you know the side that, I don't know, in a way, it makes it seem a little bit more like an objective thing because, um, you know, it's not like some 
Oh, it's like some magic thing where it works every time, right? It's more like right. a, how things happen yeah. in the real world where, you know, things go crazy. You know, someone picks up an instrument, but they don't like the teacher and they, they stop practicing, right? So they don't become a concert pianist or whatever. Although uh, one of these um, people had a, that got thrown back, uh, I guess he ended, I just, I don't know why this cracked me up. Well, it's puerile. But he got there, and during the first day, I guess he ended up farting, and the, the guru yet he just like couldn't cope with it and threw him back. So he ended up having like an incomplete <laughs> initiation. <laughs> I'm thinking that's bad enough, but then you got to come well, come back, and everyone wants to know what happened. <laughs> well, I mean, we all know somebody who 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 can do that, who can fart yep. and clear. Yep. Okay, <laughs> not so. me. I wasn't Certainly saying your not name. me. Mm -hmm. We all can do it. And before I had my gallbladder out, I could, I could. Oh, people. yeah, so. that's a powerful organ right there. So <laughs> terrible, terrible. So, and I guess to uh, the uh, oh well, I wanted to mention that. Um, so, uh, Larry, uh, I want to say, is it Walters or, or Waters? Peters, Larry Peters. Oh, jeez. He has an interesting part at the end of his um, paper where he's talking about the role, because we've been talking mostly about the guru yeti, like the guy, but they have these wives, and the wives of the, the small ones are a lot more like the big uh, nope yeti <laughs> of the mountains, right? Yeah, the yeah nope they'll be yeti. real <laughs> rageful, they'll be vengeful, they, they'll kind of fly off the handle and get violent. Um, and he has an interesting uh, section towards the end because he's talking about how um, when people have these complete initiations, a lot of what they're learning is how to uh, handle and combat uh, the craziness and evil and violence of the uh, guru's wife, right? So she's part of the whole teaching cycle and uh, environment there. And he's talking about how this element of danger uh, works to make the teachings important and to give a motivation to all this. Um, in the end, when these people are released, lots of times it seems like they end up running away. Like you get end up running away just because you don't want to be involved, but then also uh, when people get released. And I guess the idea is that you always want to run downhill because the male Yeti have a big long hair that goes over their face that so they can't see. Uh, but the female Yeti have like a very large, uh, low-hanging breasts. And so they're um, like trying to like cope. <laughs> keeping they're trying to run holding yes. their boobs. Have a mind of and own, so they, they, often will, they often will tip <laughs> over if they're running downhill. And as someone with, with I'm not as, I'm not that amazingly but we gifted feel them. as we that, feel them. but... <laughs> They are, they are big enough to make me tip over sometimes in some circumstances. I'm just no, saying. I, I definitely. They, I have overbalanced a few times, and it's not pleasant. Um, and it, and they don't have bras in 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 Nepal for Yetis yet. Yetis have not decided to build these things, so they got to keep them from you know bouncing. Yeah, I guess it's so. a fairly a lot to. And that sounds like we're just making fun, but I read it in the paper too. It's that's. That's what they tell you. Well, the Tibetans have a well-deserved reputation for uh, 
their sense of humor, let's say. I, I, for a couple of years, I lived at a Tibetan Buddhist Meditation Center, and um, definitely I, I heard a lot of these type of stories and a lot of people just busting up at like goofy stuff. So, uh, and Tibetan people. And uh, yeah, but I, you know, what are you gonna say? I guess if, it, if that's how it is, it's good to know in case you ever get in that situation, then you'll know how to out with them. Run, yeah. <laughs> Wear a bra. And <laughs> um, they also talk about the, the trickster aspect, which is interesting too. That and they have, um, you know, ritual things like eating off the back of your hand when you take food, and it gets to Persephone again, right? This like this, I guess, the very obvious like underworld situation, right? Um, so they talk about, you know, if the 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 yeti wife offers you food, you need to eat it off the back of your hand and not the palm of your hand, right? So it's just a particular ritual way that, as he says in the paper, has major cosmic significance for the, <laughs> the Nepalese, but it has to do with these, well, like Levi said, the, the raw versus the cooked, right? It's like, what's well, making you human, what's not, right? And it's just, in some ways, it's kind of this arbitrary stuff. So anyway, so that's some, background to the whole spooky sexy sasquatch i was cracking up because i had um you know been collecting these various stories which are just you know partly just i thought it'd be people started sending me stuff and i thought it, it would just be fun to collect it because you know it's midsummer and you know we're still dealing with this stupid pandemic and problems i thought you know it's kind of a fun thing to do but i was um tripping out when i read that uh this paper to see how in Nepal there's this complex there where it's like, you know, very paranormal, uh, very erotic, the whole hybrid children, which is, you know, a big deal in the alien abduction uh, lore these days. And to see how it's all there was just fascinating. Oh, they even say that the, uh, the uh, women Yeti can uh, be kind of like a succubi, right? If they take a liking to a man, but he's not quite pure or whatever, things don't work right, they'll end up you know, having sex with them and like draining their energy and you can end up dying this way. So it's kind of like the whole, uh, I don't want to say vampire succubus ideas out there. So, well, the fairy lover, the, the succubus, the, I mean, even Bigfoot, was it Albert Osterman was kidnapped in the, was it the early 19th century? Like I don't know. It was in the Pacific on, North, right? British Columbia. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I think it was the early part of the 20th century. But yeah, that was, he was kidnapped. He was out like trapping or something, camping. And he, yeah, he got kidnapped by a family of Bigfoot. Specifically, they wanted to set him up with the, the young daughter. and the daughter Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah. He he was in his he was in a sleeping bag and he got picked up by Daddy oh Bigfoot. And it was it was a shotgun wedding, except they didn't have a shotgun. That's <laughs> it's that's what it was. He was camping near Toba Inlet, British Columbia, when a young not a young, a huge male Sasquatch abducted him. He was picked up from the ground in a sleeping bag, slung over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes, and jogged over hills and valleys to a little canyon that Osterman had never seen before. And it's not Osterman, it's Ostman. 
Osman found himself prisoner of four Sasquatch, an old man, an old woman, and two younger, thinner Sasquatch. They were spelt. They were, Curvy. They were, yeah. Um, the older male and young female would stand guard over him while the older female and young male prepared the meals. So mom was training the son to be a chef and the daughter was checking him out, making sure that dad picked a good one because dad, you know, dads have an idea about who makes a good husband <laughs> that is maybe different than what the daughter has an idea about what makes a good husband. So they're the ones standing there and they're probably comparing notes psychically with each other. Dad, I think he looks a little short. <laughs> well, but he has he has a nice sleeping bag, so he'll be a good provider. All right. So the Sasquatch group demonstrated they were vegetarian and ate roots, grass, and fur tree tips. I'm sure that was delicious for Mr. <laughs> Osman. Um, of fiber. <laughs> now all I can think. I know. All I can think of is Yule Gibbons from the old Grape Nuts commercials where he was picking crap off of trees and eating tree bark. And I mean, if they'd taken him, he might never have made those commercials. He probably would have stayed. Maybe that's where he learned how to eat that stuff. I I was going to say, maybe that's where Grape Nuts came from. (laughs) Grape Nuts came from the Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. So he was held there for a while and you know, they had bedding. He noticed that they had simple language. Um, apparently, sukkah sukkah meant to get back. And at the end, after about a week of captivity, he used their their basic native uh, nosiness and curiosity and his snuff box to distract them. So he basically opened up the snuff box and they were poking around in it. And he showed them how to take it a little bit and put it in the nostril. But they, they have big fingers. So they took a big old wadge of it and, and up the nose. And then their eyes started to run and they started to sneeze and they couldn't see. And then he ran away. Pretty clever. Um, Daddy, he burns. (laughs) (laughs) So, there we go. He was he was he was never like sexually Mm-mm. grabbed in any way, but it was clear that she was interested in him and that dad was kind of trying to set the two up. I think that's also part of why, you know, those two were the ones to watch him. He was like, come on, hold yeah. his hand, you know. Pet his head. See, look at that hair. That's nice hair. That's not enough hair, Daddy. That's an. That's it's. It'll grow. It'll grow. He's just a little. Maybe he's sickly. I don't know. Um, but that's how he got away. And he he kept that story till his death. Yeah. He never changed his story. He never he never made up extra stuff. It was always it was pretty much straight up that. So, that's the story I think of when I think of sex with a Sasquatch is I think about dad Sasquatch trying to set up, you know, his daughter Sasquatch with a man. There's, there's romance. It is. It's romantic in Mm -hmm. a kind of sort of shotgun wedding kind of, I mean, I'm from West Virginia where shotgun weddings were a thing up until, you know, the 1920s. So 
And my mom attended one in Fresno in the 1950s. So <laughs> there, there you, you go. go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. It's not unknown. Yeah, yeah no, awesome. it's a it's a classic. And I remember reading about it about, I don't know, years and years. For, for whatever reason, it always kind of made it into uh, even more respectable Bigfoot books, like way back in the day. Um, and I found, uh, well, this is one of the uh, uh, documents that was sent to me privately by an anonymous source. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, they sent me, they had a copy of a comic called White Man written by R. Crumb in the 70s. And it's a comic book. Oh, and it, yes. White Man is this suburban guy, kind of nebbishy, who uh, goes out in his Winnebago with his family to go camping in the woods and gets uh, abducted by a lady Sasquatch. And he finds uh, strange stirrings. He kind of uh, ends up shacking up with her out in the woods, this kind of Garden of Eden, uh, erotically blissful, non-cultural <laughs> situation. Versus our crumb, so it's very, I don't know, it's, it's very much like his whole scenario of it, you know, the, the nice, big, very muscular, overwhelming woman. <laughs> Covered in hair and assistance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, she had some, some big oh, yeah. boobies. A big everything. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, everything was big. <laughs> she had some junk in the trunk. She she had. She yeah. Big. It's it's very, you know it's great illustrations and stuff. Um, and then he tries to bring her into civilization, but of course it all backfires. So they end up retreating into the wild to live blissfully but i thought it was funny because it's like oh i'm sure he had read about osman's story and this is his take on it uh way back in the 50s so i think uh i mean nowadays of course it's hardly surprising that there is bigfoot erotica or porn or sex toys or whatever there are but i think it shows that even you know like yeah it was 40 50 years ago people were at least uh, some of our elite uh, artists and thinkers were kind of contemplating the possibilities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These encounters. So. Well, it, it also reminds me of uh, Eddie Murphy's old uh, stand-up. Uh, he talks about his uncle Gus and his, and his aunt Bunny. And his dad got drunk at a at a barbecue at uh, at his house, and Uncle Gus always comes, and Aunt Bunny always comes, and Bunny always falls down the stairs. Um, and uh, Gus always sets fire to the backyard because he pours, you know, gasoline on top of the barbecue and and you know messes everything up. And so Eddie's dad gets drunk, and he's mad and he's yelling at Gus for burning things down and then Aunt Bunny falls down the stairs and he's like Gus you didn't you said you met her while you were out camping but you you were in the woods Gus your wife's not a woman she's a Bigfoot Gus she's a Bigfoot tell me the truth I know it you brought her home you shaved her down and you taught her to speak that's what she is she can't climb the stairs Gus but I bet she could climb the hell out of the tree you know, and your children, your children are hairy little, I'm not going to say what he actually says, um, hairy little creatures, 
They got the biggest afros I've ever seen, and they're seven years old and six years old, and they're just they're just gigantically hairy. And when I took them fishing, they stuck their faces in the water and came up with fish. He's like, tell the truth, Gus. Your wife's a Bigfoot. So I grew up with that. Oh, in that's my awesome. Head. I've never heard that before. That's great. So, so when I finally saw the R. Crumb like, comic, I was like, <laughs> it's Aunt Bunny. There's that's Aunt right. Bunny. And, uh, you know, I ran and showed Dad. I'm like, Dad, look, it's Aunt Bunny. Dad is like, where did you get that? Like, <laughs> the county library. I'm going to have to have a talk with those people. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's like, just don't show your mother. You know, <laughs> just don't show your mother. And I was like, but, Dad, we saw Patty on TV and she had boobs, yep. which is true. Yep. The Patterson-Gimlin <laughs> yep. film. Big old swaying around, never worn a bra. Yeah. Boobs. So he couldn't really argue. Right. He was like, well, you're right. Because, of course, that was the first thing that popped out of my mouth when I saw it on In Search Of was, Daddy, she's got <laughs> boobs. And he's like, oh, no, shit. Oh, oh, my God. Because, you know, they put it on the instant replay and he's looking and he's, she does. And my mom was like, oh, for God's sake, it's just a guy in a suit. They wouldn't put boobs on a suit. Oh, <laughs> I guess they would. There, 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 there they are. <laughs> well. Who would think to put boobs on a bunch of guys? (laughs) (laughs) I said it meant it was real because nobody would have thought to put boobs on a suit. She was like, now that doesn't mean it, but uh, uh, it's a conundrum. I love that film. I got (laughs) to say, I have no, I, I have no opinion on what, what is behind that bit of film, but I just love, I just love it. I have to say, and it's Patty is Patty's my girl. Yeah, and it's as you say, it is. I mean, it's interesting that uh, you know the most iconic, you know, Bigfoot footage out there is like very obviously, uh, you know, a woman or female, you know, with the breasts and everything. It's like this kind of like erotic sexual thing, even though it's kind of like a big old hairy monster. But, you know, the sexual aspect is still, I would say, front and center, shall we say, even in, yeah. Almost, yeah. yeah. Front and upper torso. Upper torso. Center almost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. We were talking earlier, um, and uh, so I started getting, like, all this kind of Bigfoot stuff showing up after I'd had that conversation with Ben Joffe, who I think is the behind it all but um i uh know a lady uh snee on twitter and she is interested in ufos and she also does like burlesque and like uh clown erotica which sounds really weird but she's a great seamstress does this incredible makeup and he's very uh i like like a real super hyped emotional uh charged photo shoots and stuff with this clown makeup was really trippy so i enjoy her um but she had tagged me she found uh something came across facebook for her and it's like a trucker's hat and it has like a little embroidered bigfoot silhouette and then the words are uh bigfoot is real and he tried to eat my ass 
So she shared this with me on Twitter. <laughs> She's like, I'm sharing it with you for reasons. Oh, my like, God. oh boy, here we go. Um, I, I think that I saw that on Facebook <laughs> earlier this week. <laughs> I was like, what am I looking <laughs> at? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so being an idiot, I said, oh, you know, I love this. And it, um, well, it, it was funny because um, my brother, I don't know, a couple months ago, he got me a hat. And it was just, you know, that kind of, you know, outdoorsman's or trucker's hat with the bill. And it had a patch on there that had like a Bigfoot and it's holding a salmon very tenderly. Because my brother's a fly fisher. So he's like, oh, I got you this nice Bigfoot, which I thought was really fun. So this is like another Bigfoot hat, but I probably wouldn't wear it <laughs> myself. Yeah. No. So, I, so I was, it reminded me of this story and I heard it. I don't know why it just cracks me up. but um. I heard it probably like 15 years ago or something. I listened to Church of Mavis for a number of years and Jeffrey Pritchett always has a lot of Bigfoot stuff on there and just like wild Bigfoot stuff too. Um, so I heard this, I'm pretty sure on his show, but uh, the story is that uh, there was a film crew and they were kind of up in the remote areas of Northern California out in the woods. I don't know what type of movie they were shooting, but they had like a uh, couple like trailers or RVs kind of set up and it was night and uh so they were inside these things but rvs or whatever and they heard like a commotion out so they look outside and they see they see this bigfoot running through kind of where you know their camp and they're looking at it it's like very startling but what's even more startling is i guess he has like a full like raging boner as he's running through the camp so these guys are in this camp and their theory was that i guess uh one of the ladies who was there who was like starring in this movie they're making or whatever was a like a certified playboy bunny so their their theory was that she was just like uh, so erotically attractive and the, the Bigfoot had become like overwhelmed with lust for her. And <laughs> he was going to come get her. <laughs> that's, that's what the story was. I remember when that happened. I remember reading that on uh, Cryptomundo when Lauren Coleman had that uh, website. And, and I actually just, they, they got video. Oh, I didn't know that part. It's, it, it's the worst video ever. Um, I, I, it's so shadowy and everything. I, the excuse is, is that it was not the actual camera that they were using for filming, but it was, um, one of the crew's personal, just yeah. video camera. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, they weren't expecting to be using it. He just kind of grabbed it and you do see sort of a, you know, silhouette of possibly a creature, and it is sort of moving through and, but I mean, it's all shaky and, and, you know, everything. And, and it's really low quality because there was no lighting out there. It was mm -hmm. moonlight. Um, I just watched it today and was like, yeah, that's just as bad as I remember it being, <laughs> mm -hmm. it, you know, it's like super blurry and there's all this shaky camera crap. And it was the, it was the stabilized version of it with, you know, improved uh -huh. lighting and everything. And it's still, it's terrible, but they they did indeed think that it was the the Playboy centerfold girl who lady woman who had enticed the creature. Now that could have been. It could have also been that they were promoting the. Play. I I don't know. I mean, 
that never occurred to me until you just said this, this absolute incident. I can't believe that someone would be so cynical. <laughs> I believe I said that in the comments on Cryptomundo at that time. <laughs> I, wonder. I wonder if maybe <laughs> maybe they're just trying to, you know, get some get some promo for that film that they're making. Oh. But you know, she was apparently very frightened. I, so you know. oh. <laughs> I mean, it, I don't know. I think I was said this in uh, my document, but it's like I really understand the whole uh, kind of paranormal, uh, not physical aspects of these creatures. But at the same time, it's like they're physical enough, enough for long enough to like knock a tree over or make these footprints or something. So you're thinking in that time period where there's something is, you know, I don't want to be there <laughs> be able to get. Yeah. Yeah. Just personally. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in the moment, who knows how you would feel? Someone with a big, you know, compassionate personality or spiritual attainment, Bigfoot, you know, I may have a different viewpoint on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. The the folklore is fairly persistent mm -hmm. of of the hairy hominids or the wild men or you know sasquatch bigfoot whatever you want to call it yeti kidnapping humans for for mating purposes and and there are people who claim to have had relations with bigfoot and are saying right now that that, that they are doing that and I'm not going to say they're not, and I'm not going to say, you know, that's impossible because it isn't. Even if they are partially, at least, paranormal, there's precedent for fairies having human lovers and succubi and incubi and angels, for goodness and sake. And, and there's also people, exactly, knows? yeah, there's people that have... Um, erotic encounters with uh, dead uh, lovers or uh, spouses and uh, people who, uh, you know, two living people who are separated can have a erotic encounter like on the dream plane or uh, during meditation, that type of stuff. So out of body experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, Robert Monroe talks a lot about from the out of body uh, angle, the, a lot of the erotic uh, goings on. So, Yes, I mean, if we take the uh, the Nepali people are, are saying that these are physical but also spiritual beings, as are we, then, I mean, the whole idea of erotic encounters that are taking place, you know, mostly on the uh, subtle levels, you know, it becomes, I think, uh, inevitable at some point. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. And, you know, but it's funny because here we are talking about it from a spiritual level, you know, a paranormal or spiritual in a, in a spiritual way, in a um, shamanic way, an initiatory way, which that is consistent in all sorts of uh, esoteric practices that there is often a sexual initiation. It's not, every kind of esoteric practice but it is there it's there in modern wicca it's there 
in various shamanic practices. It's there in um, some occult practices. So none of this is surprising. You know, none of this is surprising. But then you have, you know, these sorts of, let's see, where did it go? It disappeared. There it is. So, again, Lauren Coleman, this is in his book, Bigfoot, the True Story of Apes in America. And this is, these accounts are from a book called The Creature, it was written in 1976 by a man who for many years was thought to actually be named Jan Clement. Um, but that turns out to have been a pseudonym. And this supposedly happened in southwestern Pennsylvania. Um, this man did exist. Um, the person who published the book does not want to give his real name, even though the man is deceased. Um, we know some biographical information about him. I can put some of it into the show notes, but I don't think we're ever going to know his actual name. And, and if that's the way he wanted it, then that's fine. But it's an interesting story. He had a farm in southwestern Pennsylvania, and he started having uh, incidents occur with a creature he named Kong. And he was he had a he had large eyes and an expressive mouth and his face wasn't too animal like or primitive but the short hair that grew from the eyes down gave the appearance of a mask the arms did not reach below the knees it had a powerful body with strong leg and shoulder muscles flat buttocks and 13 inch human like feet before you dirty-minded people think I mean 13 and <laughs> We'll get to that. Well, I mean, I all know. signs point to. <laughs> I know. Front and center, right? Yes. <laughs> the most notable feature, according to Clement, was its protruding, no, feet, a little bit, no. little bit higher, the stomach. He, he had a pot belly. The professor observed the smelly creature killing a deer and small animals and eating these and other items in the natural environment. It grew to trust the professor's presence, but was always cautious, never left tracks, and invariably made itself scarce when metal objects, cameras, or other people were near. Finally, in mid-January 1973, Clement had, he found the creature dead and he buried it and he did not tell people about it but in those years when he was seeing it at one point he showed up where um jan clement was working on his farm and he finally sees front and center the bits <laughs> this big 13 inch yeah, yeah. well he had seen the penis before. He had been close enough to see it, but he'd never seen what it could do. The the creature. <laughs> he never saw it urinating. Oh, that's or interesting. Anything. And so he said it was. It was. I'm not going to read the whole description because it's, it's not necessary. <laughs> um, we reached your limit. <laughs> but he showed up. He showed up at one point with a an unescapable 
massive erection. These are exact words. Massive, unescapable <laughs> erection at, at, the, at the cabin, like the front door. How are you doing? <laughs> and, I'm knocking uh, on the front the door. Jan Clement, yeah, he was like uncomfortable at the sight of this erection. So Clement went inside his cabin and got some apples for Kong. And he stood there and I, I gave him the apples. He, 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 you know, put the apples down for him, but, but the, uh, Kong just kept staring at him with that front and center, <laughs> massive, inescapable erection. And he just began to feel uneasy. So he yelled at him to get on out of here. And he says, just get the hell out. And he said he, he realized that this poor creature didn't understand why he was upset or really what he was yelling. But he did finally get the message and he sort of shambled off into the woods. And so he did. He shambled off into the woods and the professor is relieved. He says, so I took up my water jug and walked over the hill toward the stream and the spring from which I obtained water. As I approached the bottom of the hill, I could see the cows in the pasture on the hillside. There was a commotion among the cows in the pasture. And so I put the water jug down and walked over and I could see Kong. He was mounted on a large Holstein cow and was shoving away this, this I'm reading it straight up here. <laughs> the cow would start to walk away. And he would lift up his legs and hang on with his hands cupped on the sides of the cow until it would stop. And then he'd begin working away oh rapidly. God, poor cow. So later, you know, he shows up. I'm not going to go with the rest of the description, but he did get more apples and Jan Clement told him to get the hell out again. So this cow, um, I have questions. I have many questions, but apparently the the whole gist of this is this story has been running around out there since 1976. The creature had died in 1973. This happened in the early seventies. Um, this story appears every now and then, and there are people who both believe it to be true and believe it not to be true. Although my question is, why would you lie about something like that? But the that is just so weird. I mean, I can believe lying about your sister-in-law getting kidnapped by Bigfoot with the erection. That I can, yeah. I can rationalize that in my head. But the cow tupping, not tipping people, tupping, it's an old word. Look it up. I'll put it in the show Look notes. Look it up when you're on private mode. Shakespeare used it. <laughs> yes, Shakespeare used it, so it's a perfectly good word. Darn it. <laughs> Um, but the cow cupping was something that just is not something that I would sit and go, he made this up and he never made a lot of money off this book. He made maybe $400 right. off of it. Um, I, I suspect the publisher made more money than that. So it's anyway, Lauren Coleman takes this story and goes to a Bigfoot conference and he presents it. Because he wants to talk about the sexuality of Bigfoot. And the reason he wants to talk about it is he's a flesh and blood person who believes that it is a biological creature. Mm -hmm. If it is a biological creature, if it is a mammal, it reproduces sexually as we adults 
all know. That's how we do things on Earth. That's what mammals do. There we are. Um, he was told to sit down. I mean, he was he was interrupted. And he was told to sit down and be quiet. And stop talking about that because there are women and children present. And I'm like, okay, y'all flesh and blood people. Now, if you're going to believe it's a real live flesh and blood creature, then it's going to have sexual reproduction. So it's going to have sex. Why are you being puritanical, Victorian, strange about this? Whereas, you know, we spiritual people are like, well, you know, people can have sex with ghosts. So why not? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, what's going on here? You know, make up your mind. Is it flesh and blood? If it is flesh and blood, it is not running around taking vows of chastity here. Because that's just not... That's not like, how you get more Bigfoot. No, yeah. no, no. I like what you said about it. You know, it has to be within the con confines of a matrimonial... <laughs> that's right joining of a yes. mommy Bigfoot and a daddy Bigfoot who love each other very, very much. <laughs> and then we can talk about baby Bigfoot. I, I mean, it's just so weird to me that they would get that uptight about it. it I, I, it's, I, I remember reading that and just being like, but who knows? I don't know. The only thing that uh, occurs to me is that um, there are people that have fetishes and one of the things that they can do in furtherance of that fetish is, you know, you write it up and you present it in something. You, you run across these type of posts in social media where people talk about, well, I have this unpopular opinion about this, that, and the other. And then suddenly you're in some like really weird, gross scenario that you didn't want to read. <laughs> I did not here? consent to this. How did I get here? But these are people that get off, that, like they have a certain finish and they get off on springing it on someone. I don't know that this is, yeah. that. I mean, I, I can't rule it out, but, and, and I think that it. That may be, that may be what made the people uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That they were thinking, well, is this like some weird porno scenario thing? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, are these kids going to go home asking mommy and daddy about cow? Bigfoots um, or apples or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah with, yes. with apples and Bigfoot. I'm, I'm just thinking if you hear Bigfoot knocking now, what is he using to make those knockings? That's all I'm asking. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Wood knocks indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my God. This is just, you know, this is just fulfilling the truth of my childhood because there was a truism that was spoken in my family on my dad's side, which is the women always talk dirtier oh. than the men. <laughs> that when when my my great aunts would visit, when my grandmother's sisters would visit. All the women would be in the kitchen drinking beer and telling stories. And the men would be in the living room drinking beer and watching baseball and maybe telling yeah. stories. But if, if a man had to go get a beer, he had to walk into the kitchen. And my great aunts, 
they wouldn't stop just because there was a man present. So they'd just continue with their discussions of various mm-hmm. anatomies and what happens with anatomies in front of me oh, as Lord. a child, which my grandfather would always chide them. Good God, there's a child present. Well, she's a girl. She's got all the parts. She's going to have to learn about these things. Better to learn it at home. True. Mm-hmm. Logic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Papa would, you know, go back into the living room without beer and tell my dad to go in and get it for him because the women are talking dirty again. Go go in there and get the beer. You can put up with it better than I. I don't know why he wanted to send him in for his son to hear his mother talking like that, but maybe the younger generation was more able to withstand it. I don't know. He was I just, uh, what, how did uh, teasing and bothering his son? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Picking yeah basically. On very, very surely picking on my yeah. dad. He got picked on. Oh, that's not so fun. I don't know. Well, yeah, it does seem. He gave a good. God. <laughs> no, it does seem like a weird thing to get uh, shy about, though, if you're concerned with the physical Bigfoot, because obviously this would be, you know, just as important as, uh, you know, like their eating habits and stuff. So. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, really. So let's see. Do we want to hear a weird story about a hunter who uh, was healed uh, by Bigfoot? Yes. So I heard about this from uh, AP Strange on Twitter, uh, Matt Hopewell. Uh, He's a lot of fun to follow on Twitter because he's always posting all type of odd stuff. And he uh, actually, he's let me know that I could say that he slid into my DMs with a picture of a Pakistani uh, Bigfoot, which is actually known for abducting people and trying to mate with them. And uh, the blog post was illustrated with a nice charcoal drawing of a little monkey sitting there with an enormous heart on (laughs) All right. So it was a unsolicited <laughs> yes. Actually, saying. I think. Yeah. I mean, I have to go back a little bit farther. But my uh, friend Alex Bolin uh, is a writer and podcaster. John and Alex hate stuff, but they ha- were doing a movie. It's a movie review podcast comedy. So they were reviewing a movie called Suburban Sasquatch, and the Sasquatch of that movie is very much like the the big uh, big bad high altitude yet he's like super big. Uh, carnivorous, violent, and then as he sent me in my DMs unsolicited, a uh, pixelated still from the movie uh, with his uh, massive schlong out for all to see. <laughs> he and John were describing the costume. <laughs> this part of it is like if someone sewed up a tube of fake fur and threw like a wrench down it. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that was the general consensus. That's the Nope Yeti. Oh, yeah. So this is actually at the start of it all. I got this picture in my uh, DM, so I don't know. So people are apparently uh, curious about this. But anyway, so AP also hit me to this story that um, I guess, Kendra, you've heard it um, on Crypto Mojo, and it was on, um, you can hear the recording on the Monsters Among Us podcast. This guy calls in to talk about what happened to him. He had gone out, so you can listen to him tell it, and he, he's very frank and straightforward with uh, appropriate details, and he's not theorizing or law or getting all, yeah. And he, and he doesn't sound like he's a storyteller. Yeah. He, he's not, he's not winding anything up. He's just 
explaining what happened, and that's what it was really conveyed in the, his tone in yeah, tell, yeah. the telling. Yeah. So I guess this guy's a hunter. He had gone out to a place that he usually hunts, and uh, he had left uh, a note with his family. You know, this is where I'm going. This is when I'm going to be coming home, etc. Because he was going by himself. So he went up to his hide. He was up in a tree. And he ended up, I'm not sure how it happened, but he wasn't wearing a harness and he's kind of a big guy and he fell and he ended up breaking his back. Um, yeah. So he's there on the ground. He, uh, he lost his phone. He, um, so wasn't able to call. Um, he wears glasses and his glasses had fallen off and he couldn't reach them. So he talks about how he couldn't really see very well. So he's laying there. He can't move. Um, and he is approached by a Yeti. He can tell that, uh, I think he first felt that he was lying, I don't know, semi-conscious or whatever. And he, he felt a hand like under his neck and under his kind of rear, low back, lifting him up. Mm-hmm. And it's a, you know, like a Sasquatch, Bigfoot. And he said that her face just looked kind of feminine the way the cheekbones were and stuff. And then he also uh, knew she was female because she was lactating. And again, we have like the Bigfoot memories, as it were, which which is kind of interesting, too, because, of course, you know, we're mammals. So that's one of the key features of mammals is, of course, you know, you feed the babies the breast, right? So this would be another way of emphasizing their similarities to us. Anyway, so he felt like she was very concerned about him, very maternal. She was uh, making some noises and stuff. Anyway, she grabbed her uh, one breast and um, put his face up to it and was like squeezing it. She wanted him to drink her breast milk. So, of course, he's just like, you go from unconscious and having your back broken. You're just like, what the hell? (laughs) So he's trying to keep up with all this. He said it tasted disgusting. It was like the worst thing he's ever tasted. But he didn't um, he didn't want to offend her. And it and also it seemed like she was feeling very maternal and protective towards him too. So I think that was part of it on top of it being like petrified (laughs) and freaked out. Anyway, then he noticed that there was like this even huger one a little farther off that he kind of thinks was like male. And he started this male started kind of arguing with the the lady. And so she eventually kind of set him down and went off. And because this guy was smart and did, you should always do if you're going out by yourself and leave a plan with people the okay. his family went out and they found him and he was able to recover but that's his experience i gotta say the one thing that struck me when he talked about how horrible her uh milk tasted it reminded me of um like those stories like when you're uh you do a a favor for a gnome or an earth man right or a gnome lady and they go and they they get the uh trash in the corner of the room and tell you to hold your apron out and put the trash in there. Don't look at it till you get home. Right. And then you go home and you look at it. It's all gold. Right. It's the magical gift. It's like, it looks like, and I thought that's interesting because you know, her, her milk tasted so terrible yet he was found and he was able to be healed. So this is this odd. Right. Yeah. yeah it's like that same, you know, like fairy logic, right. It's you know, her magical logic yeah. with these creatures. But uh, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. Matt was thinking the same thing yeah. on that. 
And then from a biological standpoint, I'm sitting here going, maybe she ate wild onions. Exactly. Or, you know, some, it could have had a little bit of mastitis because, or something. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things that can happen. Because, oh, yeah. why? <laughs> you have to go to mastitis. Oh, God. Well, the way he was described. Somebody has experienced this. <sighs> I know. <laughs> um, you know, but the wild onions, if a cow eats it, it yep. that's yeah. going to taint. Yeah, exactly. Or, uh, around here we have a skunk cabbage. That this is the same thing that they're always looking out for. Yeah, they'll spoil the milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, who knows? Maybe she ate sparkly. Oh yeah, my mom was talking today, <laughs> today, not even this morning, this afternoon, <laughs> about how bananas <laughs> used to constipate me when I was a small child or a baby. It's like. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm almost 60, but apparently this is still an important topic. <laughs> this is still important news yeah. for you. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's amazing. I, I mean, I love that story just because it's like the stories about infants being taken in by wild animals. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's like the mythological story about the father who was, uh, he was sentenced to die by starvation in Rome. And his daughter begged to go see her father as he was imprisoned, starving. And she was lactating and she fed him. And she, Mm -hmm. that whole selfless act of hers saved her father's life um, when it was found that, that she was, keeping him alive that way and it became this great symbol of uh the healing power of maternal feelings and and of love and of filial piety and all well rome the founding of rome right yes Mm -hmm. and romulus and by a wolf so you know it it just hits all those those mythological buttons and i was thinking even uh well you know grapes of wrath john steinbeck final scene right yeah which we had to read in high school i'm like thinking i remember reading that i'm thinking okay i see what's happening here but it's like we're just in high school why do we have to read this (laughs) we're just kids (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we had to read uh what was it uh lord oh boy there's an upper. That was oh. a downer. I mean, it's like, I know why they teach it, but we didn't like gee, it. Uh, anyway, that's pretty crazy. So yeah. do we have any other sexy Sasquatch yeah. stories? I do. I have, I have one last one and uh, it's a good one because it involves our podcast. It involves a synchronicity and it involves a prediction by none other than Tim Renner. It's the quadrifecta. Um, who has this. Rep- <laughs> yes. Yes. He has this mm-hmm. reputation of being wizardly. And uh, the last time he was on our podcast, which was, I think, in February, I think is when it was. It's been a bit. Yeah. He uh, he was hearing from, he was asking Morgana and I what we had found out locally and Morgana had said, well, I found all of these UFO sightings around Athens and we found uh, Bigfoot sightings in the County, 
but not in the town of Athens. So it, it Nelson, she said Nelsonville, which is about 10 minutes away from us, gets Bigfoot. Athens gets UFOs. Mm. That seems to be the split. Now, Nelsonville is pretty much right on the edge of a national forest. So that's probably part of it. But there are woods pretty much that go straight from that national forest and it kind of winds around all the way to Athens. So, you know, it's not completely the, the reason. And he said, well, I predict that within a month you are going to get a Bigfoot report from Athens. I wrote it down and I wrote down the day and the time. 29 days later, I was minding my own business, eating dinner, and my phone buzzes, and I look at it, and I'm getting a text from somebody who used to live in Athens, who, in fact, used to cut my hair and was good friends with Morgana and Morgana's best friend and myself and just friends of the family, you know, and uh, she had moved to Georgia, and she said, hey, I've been listening to your podcast, and I love your podcast, and um. Uh, I wanted to tell you this story because I think it has to do with Bigfoot. And she said at the time I didn't, but now I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And I said, well, lay it on me. And she said, so I was out in the woods up near the ridges. So that's the old Athens lunatic asylum. It is on a big ridge that overlooks the whole town of Athens and it's all wooded up there. She said, I was there being photographed in a modeling shoot. And, you know, my photographer's a woman and we were up there by ourselves and it was partially clothed. So it was erotically charged. And, uh, I, you know, we were there and it was starting to get darker and darker and darker. And we knew there, that there was rain coming. So we we're trying to get this shoot done. And she said, you know, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden this horrible noise is really close to us and it's a howl and a roar and a growl all at the same time. And it goes on for long. She said when it first started, the way it sounded, she said it was almost like the uh, tornado siren. And for the first split second, I thought they were testing the siren mm -hmm. or there was going to mm -hmm. be a tornado. She said, but then there was all of this snarly, growly animal sound in there. And she said, it scared us to death. She was like, you know, we were like, what the heck is going on? Is It's not a coyote. It's too loud. Is it a werewolf? What's happening? And, and you know, her photographer friend starts packing up the gear and is like let's get out of here and yeah. she's she's throwing clothes on and it goes on for like you know she said it felt like minutes but she said it was probably like 30 seconds 45 mm -hmm. seconds maybe 60 you know she said but it felt like it went on forever as we're throwing on clothes and grabbing tripods and yeah. grabbing uh. props and everything yeah. And she said, and we're starting to run down the trail. And then a crack of thunder right after the growl, there was a huge crack of thunder, flash of lightning, and then started to pour the rain. And she said, I then heard, I, she said, after you had your episode and you were talking about the Bigfoot noise that you heard, mm -hmm. 
she said, I started to look up Bigfoot mm-hmm. sounds and that's what it was. It yeah. was that same sound that you heard. And she said it was right next to it. Here's the even creepier thing, right? Because going back to the, the guru yetis, right? There's one guy talking about his experience of getting kidnapped. He gets snatched. And then again, there's a big thunderstorm. Yeah. Wow. Well, this happens a lot. Like, uh, this happens all the time. So, um, Psyche, right? The Greek goddess who got, gets snatched by Cupid. Mm-hmm. She ends up being carried off by a wind. Right? She's on top of a mountain and the, this wind, this weather whirlwind comes and takes her, right? So lots of times these people can be kidnapped either by or with the collusion of like these uh, weather uh, processes. Yeah. Yeah. Or elementals. Yeah. Beings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So that makes it even weirder. I didn't mention that. Yeah. I, I didn't mention that part to her. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to scare her even worse. Um, but it was 29 days. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, that's, nice. no, that's just awesome that. in every respect. So, yeah. you know. Well, they, yeah. and it gets to why this was kind of getting to me when all this Bigfoot stuff is showing up and it has to be sexy Bigfoot because, um, in a, <laughs> in, a, in a couple of months, or a couple of weeks, I'm going to be, uh, as I was a year ago, up in a remote cabin in the heart of Bigfoot country. Oh. I'm not. Bring oh a my bikini. Gosh. Well, that's my problem, is that um, <laughs> I, uh, well, I, well, seeing, seeing as we're discussing this already, I've had, um, I don't want to say, uh, erotic uh, overtures or, uh, leaking energy from various uh, humans through my life i'm mostly unconscious some conscious right so this right. makes me you know a little more hypersensitive to, to uh you know i mean god god forbid like a bigfoot or something <laughs> i've had moments like that where you're like what why why is this happening <laughs> what what are you doing why well, i think <laughs> I need to be somewhere else because this is a little uncomfortable because it's a little too intimate. Yeah, I, mean, I think, yeah, I think, you know, if, if you tend to be, when you pick, yeah, if you tend to be, you kind of have to develop a, you know, kind of a Switzerland neutrality type. <laughs> things yeah. Yeah. And it's one thing, but I mean, that's, doesn't, at this point, doesn't bother me, but when it's directed towards me a little more emphatically, you can see, well, you know, would I be woman enough to handle a Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> just I'm just a big weenie. So it was starting to make me nervous. Well, and on top of it all, um, this cabin uh, that we're going to has a trail cam there, and they uh, picked up uh, two uh, mountain lions, like right, like within three feet of the wall, Ooh. not recently. But the great, what we need cougar energy on. T- there you go. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so I was panicking. Oh, well, then, then, so I'm having a list of this Bigfoot, you know, people are publishing Bigfoot blogs and, uh, you know, weird, weird stuff. I'm getting some of this uh, interesting material come my way. So I'm uh, reading Reddit one day. I was feeling really terrible. I've had lupus this last year and a half, and so I still have some very bad days. So I'm just like in bed, just looking through Reddit, you know, trying to get to the end of it. And it was like in some weird... <laughs> 
like a science post or something and I was like way down in the comments and suddenly we have this uh, these people are talking about what finding porn in the woods and they have this little kind of, this crack, I don't know why this cracks me up so bad, but um, these people are uh, talking about finding porn in the woods. The sub-conversation, this guy says, uh, Quirtygasm, now that's a nice name. The porn fairy lives in the woods. People are problem says, this is the only justification I could think of. But since the dirty mags were always at a location to be discovered in everyone's nearby woods, I suspect that the porn fairy is really a species of cryptid, like Bigfoot. Also, I'm pretty sure this entire post is going to have the comments purged so that that's when I was taking the screenshot. Then Pizza Soup says, the idea of Bigfoot roaming the country selflessly leaving caches of porn in the woods made my day. <laughs> that has come up in Facebook conversations and on TikTok. Yeah, I'm sure, I think this one went pretty... <laughs> No, it's not just that other people are like, they'll just spontaneously, you'll talk about something. Oh, what happened in the woods? And people are like the inexplicable. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Well, now we know what's uh, what's causing it and that she's working in league with yeah. uh, Bigfoot. If we want to make everyone really mad, uh, we'll put uh, wings on the porn fairy and then. <laughs> there you go. People will be completely incest. So this cracked me up, especially because the day before um, I had, uh, or what was it? I'd see right around the time this happened, uh, David Metcalf had posted, he'd been doing like drawings of like a, a Bigfoot, like is standing there uh, next to some woods with these footprints. And of course I was dying because I'm thinking, oh yeah, this Bigfoot's in the woods. You know, he's just out there with the porn fairy. <laughs> Which of course, there's nothing to suggest this in his actual picture uh, drawing. Uh, so I had to send him a screenshot of this. Uh, partly... <laughs> The porn fairy conversation with Bigfoot. I don't know why he hasn't blocked me yet. I've been blocked for much less. <laughs> but it was partly. You know, what, you know what's funny is a local coffee uh, roaster called Dirty Girl. Um, it's a great name. Yeah. Uh, it's woman-owned, and they they use coffee from woman-owned uh, farms around the world. And uh, the, the dirty girl part is because they also do um, backpacking and canoeing mm -hmm. trips and stuff. And so they're guides. And that's cool. But they started doing teas recently. And they have a tea out that's called Bigfoot Fairy. Oh, that's awesome. And it's an oolong tea that has juniper berries and cedar tips mm -hmm. in it. It's really good, but the logo is the typical Bigfoot, you know, uh -huh. outline uh, silhouette with oh, fairies. That's awesome. That's so Bigfoot nice. and the porn fairy clearly have a child known as nice. Super fairy. fairy. So, and they make tea. That's, well, that's beautiful. So, that you could have the Bigfoot uh, porn fairy initiation by drinking that tea, no doubt, while wearing your fairy wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Under a full moon. Yes, under a full moon with so the Yetis. Not the yeah. Nope Yetis, the, the nice nicer Yetis. yetis. The, the mid-level yeah, mid Yetis. You know, not, the, not the little short uh, shaman Yetis, but the, the mid-level. So it was funny. Yeah. I sent him this um, screenshot, probably just to be a brat, because we're both like Eric Wargo, who has this idea of retrocausality. 
which is that you can have you could be right. premonitioning uh prem have premonition about something that's happening in your future right so he had made that uh metcalf had made that drawing so i'm showing the, him this the screenshot saying oh this is this is your wargo retro causation for why you made that drawing <laughs> anyway <laughs> so he made another bigfoot drawing the next day but then a day or two after that uh david sent me this picture he had taken because he had a uh, uh, driven up to the store, parked the car, and then right next to him as he got out of the car was a Kia Soul, Psyche again, right? Kia Soul, and it just is covered with all these like uh, Bigfoot stickers and um, flying saucer stickers and stuff all over it. And it's great too. And this is the type of the, so it ended up actually being like an actual synchronicity in very material realm. And, and it has like these weird overtones to it because, um, Part of what's great about that uh, car that he took a picture of is it, it's really dirty and these stickers are kind of old and, and right. crummy looking. It's not like a new thing at all. It, it's funny because I drive it as Soul and my husband had been bothering me to get it washed because <laughs> it's too dirty. <laughs> like, oh, look. <laughs> Hi, Anthony. <laughs> so, many, so many layers. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of that kind of cracked me up. But uh, and. Also, um, it's interesting, my, my husband is not a, a big fan of the Paraweird, and he's always giving me a hard time. But uh, when, so I started to have all these synchronicities and getting this material and stuff, and then, um, but I wasn't really telling him about it because he's like, why are you obsessed with like, Bigfoot erotic? What is wrong with you? <laughs> But then we ended up uh, going out to Point Reyes. He went to a bookshop and he got a, a book, a true crime book on someone who uh, who is missing up in the Pacific Northwest and how wilderness disappearances are handled by a guy named Bill Billman. It's called The Cold Vanish. Anyway, he's reading the back. He's like, oh, look, it has a, a feature. Uh, it's talking partly about the world's foremost Bigfoot researcher, which kind of cracked me up because like he would never buy a bigfoot book or anything and, and then a few days later he went and got his haircut and his hairdresser started telling him about some people he knew in nebraska there were i don't know if they were out hunting or just drink i don't know what they were doing but they were out in a cornfield and suddenly they look across and they see in the cornfield there's bigfoot and bigfoot is like looking back at them and so they start just like freaking out and then bigfoot's just like and just like walks off which is just one of those stories it's just like <laughs> It would be so weird to have it happen to you, but it's like yeah. kind of pointless. Yeah. But then it's weird too, because it's like he's, yeah. he hates all that stuff. Why was this haircutter talking about Bigfoot? So, you know, that's the type of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when people send you links and stuff like that. But then when it starts to bust out, it's like this person's like, oh, look, this car is like completely like encrusted with Bigfoot and aliens. Or it's like, oh, yeah, some haircutter was telling me about, you know. These people he knows who saw Bigfoot in a cornfield in Nebraska. That would creep me. Something about cornfields is creepy, but then a Bigfoot in there, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. We're from Ohio. We know from cornfields. Oh, I bet. Ugh. I don't yeah. know. So that's. They're, they're amazing. Well, so that's the syntastic, sexy, single. <laughs> that is the, the, the tale. <laughs> my God. That is a lot of synchronicity. Well, if people want to go, uh, we should link that doc in the notes and people can look at these pictures. And then I have just some uh, links of podcasts about weird Bigfoot. I mean, it's just fun. And then it has this weird mythological, this very mythological element to it too, which is interesting to contemplate. So 
yeah it it's fascinating and it's fun and it's been fun and it's funny and and i'll never forget the note (laughs) that lives on mountain (laughs) and people don't go there and if you tell people you're going to go there they're going to say nope 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 (laughs) go there what's that place (laughs) nope It's where the big nope yeti. Oh is. god, that's crazy. Should I go there? Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being with us, Stephanie. You're always. Oh there. no, I just I was looking. I, I uh, you know, I had such a fun time last time with you guys, and then when you suggested we do the show, I was like, oh yeah, this will be fun. <laughs> and I knew you'd have some fantastic <laughs> stories, and you did, original ones too. Yay. That's awesome. Excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.